It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. Pretty sunny day outside, so uh, hopefully you can uh, be able be able to be in a position to take advantage of the nice weather at least, and whether it's uh, get in a walk or uh, shoot some hoops in the backyard if you have a goal, whatever it is. Enjoy uh, the nice weather as we get through these difficult times. Coming up today, uh, Larry Vaught will join us as he does on Tuesdays. And Freddie Maggard will be our guest in the second half of the show. NFL Draft coming up this week, and at least two Wildcats figure to hear their names called, Lynn Bowden and Logan Stenberg, and we'll uh, talk with Freddie about both of those guys and more. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That is a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. You can't officially announce the addition of Jacob Toppin yesterday transfer from Rhode Island. John Calipari's statements included these, really excited about the addition of Jacob, and he's only scratched the surface of how good he can be. And that's what you have to hope if you're Kentucky. You get a guy that uh, may have some growth left, and he's 6'8 already, uh, that supposedly should be able to uh, play out on the perimeter some. You hope that means that, uh, you know, if you get a guy that um, has perimeter skills, and I say that as much defensively as offensively, you know, a guy that uh, gets to 6'9", 6'10", that could uh, guard out on the perimeter. Um, maybe you could get back to something like Willie Cauley-Stein, just spitballing here. But um, it's I think it's a uh, – I like the move for Cal because – it's a player that there seems to be a lot of upside. You're bringing him into to your program that has had uh, great success developing big guys, and uh, you know the, the genes are certainly good, and gives you a little more of a veteran presence, and likely has to sit out this season if the rule changes and he's eligible to play. All all the better, but uh, actually probably just as well if he did redshirt because uh, he could use the year to get stronger. He's fine with that from from all accounts, and then uh, he would uh, – because if he plays this year, probably not as uh, likely to – well, it would depend on how the roster shakes out, but may not uh, be as impactful for you as he could be the next year. Uh, speaking of the roster for next season, here's another name to consider. Don't know if, if Kentucky uh, has any level of interest at this point, but the guy's name is Marcus Santos Silva. And he's leaving Virginia Commonwealth after averaging 13-9 and last season. He's 6'7", 250, had 10 double-doubles last season. He has one season left. I can't find anywhere uh, that uh, says whether or not he's a grad transfer, so I'm assuming not, and that he would uh, have to sit out a year unless the rules changed. But uh, a big body guy. And just don't, again, uh, I think Kyle Tucker tweeted out yesterday that uh, – Santos Silva had followed the Kentucky men's basketball Twitter account for what for what it's worth. But um, anyway, just a name to, to keep an eye on to see if anything develops there. Um, on the under the heading of what might have been 
I saw where Jalen Rose uh, on his uh, podcast, Jalen and Jacoby, said Kentucky would have been his pick to cut down the nets this uh, past season. There's a story at ESPN.com that says Kentucky's Ryan Howard is the favorite to win player of the year next season in women's college basketball. Um, And that's exciting to think about what the upcoming season could be like for Kentucky with Ryan, uh, with Treasure Hunt, and the other returnees that Matthew Mitchell has. Uh, Kentucky football has offered Douglas High School tight end Thomas Howard. Uh, He's a freshman, uh, or just played as a freshman, as the tight end for Douglas. Uh, he tweeted out it was his first Division One offer, and he is a commit to UofL baseball at this point. But again, just a, a commit young guy. Uh, links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Heading to a break. When we come back, Larry Vaught will join us. want to uh, talk to him a little bit, among other things, about the Black and Blue documentary that aired last night on KET. We talked with Paul Karam. One of the executive producers yesterday on the show. I thought it was outstanding. We'll talk with Larry about that when we come back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back to our Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on Larry Vaught from VaughtsViews.com. I want to start with uh, the Black and Blue documentary, Larry. You were tweeting about it in the lead-up to the premiere on KET last night. And, uh, you know, you talked to Paul Karam a lot about it. I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, same here, Tom. I, unfortunately, have not been able to, to attend a couple of the viewings of the black and blue before when Paul had invited me, but I was really interested to see what it was going to be like, and it was uh, as good as I anticipated, and probably I would say it was even better than I anticipated. That was my my era back at that time, and uh, it told me a lot of things I didn't know, like the letter that Craig Page's mother wrote to Charlie Bradshaw telling him, you know, not to worry, checking on how he was doing after her son died. I'd never heard that story mentioned in all the years of covering UK football and knowing about this. So, just a lot of really insightful information. And I hope maybe ESPN or SEC Network or somewhere like that will pick it up and give it a run, even more, a bigger national run than what it got last night. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly deserves it. Um, Paul was on with us yesterday and uh, talked about what a difference the the music made and ha- having watched it i could see what he meant the the music from lincoln bridge was was a tremendous uh compliment to the the project and i enjoyed learning a lot more about greg page than i ever knew i knew nate northington's story as the the uh, first african-american player to play in an sec game in september of 1967 um yeah, I was I was six years old then, so I don't I didn't didn't wasn't following the story at the time, but uh, uh, you know, and, and I've I've interviewed Wilbur Hackett before and uh, knew of uh, Houston Hogg, uh, but didn't really you know Greg Page passed there in in '67 and just didn't know that much about his story, and uh, I thought that uh, backstory on on him was particularly interesting and the note that you mentioned about his mom uh, you know just hearing from his family members and uh, his parents in particular what uh 
that that letter that they they show what she was reaching out to Charlie Bradshaw. Um, what what a tremendous amount of grace and, and courage for that lady. Yeah, the, the the whole story is just inspirational, and and I'm like you, Tom. I didn't know that much about Greg Page's story, and I was a little older than six years old then. <laughs> uh, but, but to be honest, I don't remember. It, like in, at that time, I would have been uh, 15 years old, and, and even when he played in the STC game, I don't remember it being a huge national deal or even a huge deal in the state of Kentucky as far as something that everybody just talked about it and all like it. I just don't remember that maybe it was because growing up in Danville, African-Americans, we'd always been around. I mean, I didn't, uh, the part last night talking about having an African-American uh, playing a little league baseball back in the late 50s, what a big deal that was. And, and again, I didn't understand the significance of that. At, at my time, it goes in 1961, I had an African-American man Coaching the league baseball team I played on here in Danville, his two sons were on the team and never knew any difference. So for me to understand some of these things that these guys went through and to see them like that last night kind of enlightened me more. I think I, I thought I appreciated the story of what they went through, but I appreciated a whole lot more after watching the documentary last night. Yeah, I had the same feeling. Um, just watching that and when uh, they interviewed Wilbur Hackett with his family talking about the first road trip to Mississippi in, in 1968. Uh, man, what that must have been like. Yeah, it, it, it must have been so scary to have Wilbur's dad talk about wanting to be there. So if something happened, he wouldn't be there where he could get to him and be down on the sideline and, and all like that. And for the courage it took for him just to be willing to be on the sideline at that time uh, must have been just something that we, I don't think, could ever probably fully uh, understand, and it's just it's just amazing. And th- to me, again, pa- Paul Karam is really the unsung hero of all mm-hmm. this because he- he's been banging this drum for a lot of years, for, for not just the documentary, but, but to get the statue erected that he did. And he ran into a lot of roadblocks and a lot of people that weren't very receptive to the idea initially, and Paul just wouldn't give up and i know he won't take a whole lot of credit or talk about how difficult it was a lot of times but i know from what he was going through at that time and the frustrations he felt kept him to himself because he wanted to do something special for for these guys and thank goodness he didn't give up yeah i think that uh statue after watching that last night just takes on even in more meaning um and you mentioned the the coverage of it the in the documentary and i will say if you didn't see it It'll be replayed several times on KET. Uh, you can go to blackinblue.org and, and order a copy. Um, so uh, I got a note from someone who's going to be out of state and would miss it. So hopefully uh, he's listening and can can find it that way. Um, but uh, Billy Reed, I think uh, there was a clip with Billy on there where he talked about that was just uh, uh, failing on the part of the, the media, how uh, the, the lack of coverage at that time. And that's certainly true in retrospect. Yeah, it, it certainly is. I think it's it's pretty much like the documentary that, that Dick Gabriel and, and Cameron Mills put together on Reggie Warford. And I had no idea at that time some of the solitude and all that Reggie felt when he was on campus. At the same time, I was on campus, and I just didn't know that I lived in a dorm that had a, a good number of African-American football players and, 
at, at two that lived next, right in the room next to me. I didn't realize there was a guy like Reggie sitting on the other end of campus that felt like he didn't know anybody or had anybody around. And, and again, when you look back, you, you don't think about that you were kind of there as part of, of history, or I never did. And now you look back and see this and think, man, I, I didn't do a very good job of trying to reach out and help other guys because I just didn't understand. No, very well said. Uh, we're going to get to a quick break. We'll come back. A couple of other topics we'll get into with Larry. You can read them at vaultsviews.com. Same on Twitter. It's at vaultsviews. And this is the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Back with Larry Vaughn on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. The U.K. made it official yesterday with the addition of uh, Jacob Toppin. You think uh, this was just a, a unique circumstance where he showed up in the portal and they thought there was a lot of upside, or do you think Cal's maybe making a little tweak to his recruiting plans? I, I'm going to go more, Tom, for, for the time being anyway, that it's just an exception and that John saw something he really – liked in, in this young man or just something that he uh, had heard about him or something. I don't think this is going to be a long-term plan for John unless a lot of things change dramatically because his recruiting is just too good on an everyday basis. But uh, it intrigues me as to what he saw in, in this guy down the road that he jumped in there so quick and made sure that he got Jacob Toppin and Maybe I mean maybe he thought he's going to be a, a good teammate. Maybe he thinks he's going to grow five more inches in the next two years or something like that. Maybe he sees what his brother did. I, I don't know, but I think it's going to be pretty interesting to watch over the next couple of years how Jacob develops. It's going to be interesting with the change that's coming at some point in the uh, in the transfer rule, whether it, they make it. Uh, enforced for this year or they wait until the following year but once that kicks in it's a it's a brave new world everybody moves into and i think fans are going to have to get comfortable with even more roster turnover uh than uh, than they've seen to this point yeah because if a guy comes to kentucky and he doesn't get to play quite like what he thinks then boom now you can just transfer and be eligible immediately the next year and the same with another young man that maybe goes to a little bit lower level school and blossoms and decides okay rather than stay here three years after one year i'm ready to make the jump the the next jump up and there'll be a lot of schools lined up to do that and and, and again i think what john mentioned a few weeks ago about some of the lower division schools almost be or the mid-majors almost be like a farm system for the elite programs and I'm, i'm afraid that's exactly what it'll be, and you won't be able to blame anybody. You won't be able to blame the young man, and you certainly won't be able to blame the school that he's transferring to, but it's going to be two whole different types of recruiting. You're going to be recruiting the high school guys, and then you're going to be recruiting the guys in the transfer portal, portal that you won't know who are going to be there probably until March. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how they all weigh this out and how it all figures and factors in together. I keep going back to it. It feels to me like it's going to be like being a baseball fan in the 70s. You know, when I was following the Big Red Machine in 75 and 76, I couldn't imagine Pete Rose playing for the Phillies by 1980, and yet there he was. And so the the mid-majors may be like the small market baseball teams. You're just going to keep losing your best players. 
Yeah, I mean, they lost Tony Perez off that team. I mean, it was <laughs> it was incredible the way it, it went. And, yeah, you're just going to get used to it, and it's going to be a whole different type thing. And then, then the high school recruiting with what the G League has done for, for the upper-level guys, that's going to change the approach there, too. But the, the, the one thing I fall back on in his time at Kentucky, no matter what the recruiting's been like, Cal Perry's been pretty good at figuring it out and getting, getting pretty good talent here for him. So I don't think the talent level at Kentucky will suffer. It just may be that it's in flux even more than what it has been. Let's talk a little football. Uh, you had a couple of stories up at vaultsviews.com with uh, Vince Marrow. We know that uh, it's almost certain Lynn Bowden and, and Logan Stenberg are going to hear their names called in the draft later this week. But uh, even a chance maybe Ahmad Wagner, right? Yeah, I was surprised when Vince told me that over 20 teams had, had reached out to him about uh, Ahmad Wagner. And, and again, I, th- I think he's obviously going to get an opportunity somewhere. You don't have 20 teams reach out to you. And if you don't get drafted, he's probably going to be one of those free agents that will get signed immediately, which is almost like being picked in the sixth or seventh round. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's even better because you can choose where you go. But it seems to be a lot of interest in him. And Vince was talking about that it's not just his size. But it's the speed he has to go with that size that has a lot of these guys intrigued. And certainly Ahmad, when the ball was thrown his way, was pretty darn productive. Yeah, he was. Vince was on with us, I think, week before last and, and mentioned the, all the calls he was getting. And uh, the fact that you know, a pro day would have been so beneficial to Ahmad to show some of that uh, speed. Calvin Taylor is the guy you uh, you mentioned in one of your stories. And he's, he's a guy that... Uh, I hope he gets a uh, a good shot somewhere because he certainly has uh, shown his an ability to overachieve. And after what he did in this league, he deserves a good shot. Yeah, and he was another one of the guys that Vince talked about not having a UK pro day hurt him because he said he thought that was a guy that the pro scouts needed to eyeball to be able to truly appreciate. But again, he said he's got a, quite a few calls about him, not as many as about Ahmad, but that he's pretty confident he's going to get an opportunity probably through the free agent coming out of high school that uh, Calvin had basketball offers, I think it was to Charlotte and Temple, and that was it. And Kentucky came in at the last minute, gave him an SEC football offer, and he turns into an all-SEC defensive lineman. I think if he has to go the free agent route, it won't, it won't intimidate him at all. No, I would uh, think not. Great story uh, with Calvin. Uh, Larry, appreciate the time. Stay safe. All right, Tom. Larry Vaughn with us on the Leach Report. Freddie Maggard when we return. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. We roll into the second half of the Leach Report for this Tuesday. Joined now on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline by our buddy Freddie Maggard. Did you get the chance to see the Black and Blue documentary last night, or maybe you'd already seen it? Yeah, I've seen it a few times, Tom. I really enjoy that. I think it's very well done. And uh, it chronicles four Kentucky heroes in, in, a, in a time where, you know, the word hero takes on a new meaning. Uh, I think that time sustained those four Kentuckians as true heroes to the Commonwealth. Absolutely true. Uh, wanted to talk with you. We'll start about a couple of the Kentucky guys for the draft this week. And I'm going to start uh, not with uh, with Lynn, but with Logan Stenberg, because I remember when you were uh, with me doing shows as Kentucky signed him. 
and you were just over the top in how impressed you were about Logan Stenberg and uh, what he could yeah. uh, could be, and certainly it was was proven uh, true. Going to be on, on the draft. What was it that you saw early? Um, well, watching Logan's high school tape, you know, I really saw a, a heavy punch and, and a toughness that that you can't teach. I mean, you, you're you're either physical or you're not, and, and I, I automatically saw that. But I saw, I also saw uh, a highly technically sound player that that hadn't been taught all the tools to be technically sound. So that for me showed his football IQ. You can't teach six six to uh, three thirty. And then what really got me over the top about Logan was was watching him in the Alabama Mississippi All Star football game. And he stood out. I mean, he jumped out. He excelled. He, you know, in a in a roster full of stars going all over the place from Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, you name it. I thought Logan Stenberg was one of the best players on that field. And and I just knew Kentucky had a, a multi year starter. And and you know, Tony, if you think about it, Kentucky was Logan's only Power Five offer. So uh, he wasn't highly ranked. I think he was a low to a mid three star, and and only had offers from uh, from some group of five schools. But but I just saw something in Logan that I liked. You know, a lot of times when I when I make that statement about players, it's hard to define. But you know, when you when 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 I see good, I think good, and I think uh, you know I noticed that early with Logan that he had something very special about him. I saw a note on Twitter from the folks at Pro Football Focus and I think a line they used was that Logan Stenberg is offensive line coach porn. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they love how he plays the game and that sometimes yeah. drew the ire of referees and thus uh, his own coaches and fans. But yeah. uh, I think coaches certainly knew that they were winning in the, in the trade-off in that area and it's yeah. something that uh, seems to be a, somewhat attractive to the NFL folks, right? Well, Thomas, like you know, you and I used to have breakfast together all the time, and, and I have an affinity for sausage. <laughs> I love the taste of sausage, but some folks don't have the stomach to see how sausage is made. And I equate that to Logan Stenberg playing guard on the offensive <laughs> line. You want that toughness, you need that toughness, but sometimes you, you don't want to see how that toughness is made. Uh, I, I do think, Tom, that Logan was singled out. I think his rep- reputation preceded him as a senior, so uh, I do think that, that he was singled out in some of those calls, but you need that. A team needs a Logan Stenberg on his offensive line. And I think his his teammates would say uh, an amen to that. Absolutely. I mean, every team needs him once more because you have to have that enforcer. Uh, you need that physical presence. You know, Tom Kentucky could have one of the best offensive lines in the country next year. Uh, but I still say replacing Logan Stenberg at left guard is going to be a challenging proposition. And uh, if, if it does get that position up, I mean, you're not going to play at the level that Logan Stenberg did, but you get good, consistent play along with uh, Young, Kennard, Luke Fortner, and Drake Jackson. You're looking at a very special offensive line. 
Talk with Freddie Maggard. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll uh, get into a little discussion about uh, Lynn Bowden and more here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You can find them in Palomar and in Hamburg. They're doing curbside delivery for you to just swing by, pick up. So it's a great place to get breakfast for the family today. Uh, if you're here in Lexington, uh, give them a call, run by, pick up uh, pancakes, some of that sausage that Freddie loves, and uh, an omelet. Put it in an omelet. You'll love it from Wild Eggs. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. We're back with Freddie Maggard. The NFL draft is getting started on Thursday, and at some point before the end of the week, Logan Stenberg and Lynn Bowden are going to hear their names called, hopefully more Wildcats. But let's go to uh, Lynn Bowden next, Freddie, and uh, your thoughts on what he did this season um, and not from the standpoint so much of just only what it meant to Kentucky, but uh, how it helped Lynn. Well, I mean, I think, Tom, I think it helped his cause uh, tremendously. When you look at the diversity of his game, you know, he won the Horning Award. I mean, that, that, that's for the most versatile player in college football. And, and, and you know, I got, you know, I, I try to let, try to keep emotions out of it, but, you know, I wrote something on KSR and just watched the darn tape. Uh, yeah. Um, after a, an interview with John Clayton about Lynn being an undrafted free agent, said something about him playing quarterback in the NFL. You know, that's <laughs> just watch the tape, man. I mean, that's all I, that's all I can say to these evaluators in, in a draft that's unique because of, uh, you know, the, the, the visits were, were, were canceled, pro day canceled. Lynn didn't run the 40 at the combine. Watch the darn tape. Watch him separate, run around, run through defenders in the Southeastern Conference. We're not, you know, Lynn led the SEC in rushing in eight games. We're not talking about a, a Big 12 quarterback that, that has astronomical numbers throwing against defenses that are questionable anyway in a system offense. We're talking about running the football in the Southeastern Conference, where with it, which is the league that has the most defensive players drafted year in, year out. I think that is spectacular. When the team needed Lynn, he stepped up. He had a punt return for a touchdown against Missouri when the team direly needed him. And a spark against Penn State and with a punt return. Uh, you know, just look back at that Missouri game on top of the punt return. He had 13 catches for 166 yards. I, I get a little bit fired up about it because I think sometimes as you get closer to the draft, I don't know if it's smoke screens. I don't know if it's evaluators are trying to get too cute and overthink the situation. But with Lynn Bowden, just watch the daggone tape. That's all you need to do. I, amen. And I hope he ends up uh, – being, let's say, outperforming expectations for the draft. And that could, he's projected most things I've seen third or fourth round. I'd love to see him go in the second round. Yeah. Would be happy, number one, for him. But for number yeah. two, it sends a, I think, a good message. And the NFL spends a lot of time not only just uh, you know, analyzing uh, the measurables and, and game tape, but trying to uh, understand the, the character of the players are going to bring into their organization and spend a lot of money on and here's a guy who didn't blink when it came time to do something to help his team when right. there were people around him questioning whether or not that was uh, best for his uh, individual um, goals of, of getting to the nfl would it hurt him not playing as much receiver uh he didn't blink when it came to doing that and i don't know about 
let's see what your take is. If I'm any team I would play on, you know, or if I'm a college football player and I wasn't, you were, you can speak to this. I could understand a guy, you get to a bowl game at, and a guy's got a high draft pick on the line and it's, you know, it's not the national championship game. It's one of the other bowls. And, and if he didn't want to play as his teammate, I could understand that. I would have a lot tougher time understanding a guy turning down something that could help, help us as a team, uh, for a selfish reason. Absolutely. And, and, and think about it, Tom, and take it a little bit further. Not only did he decide to play in the belt bowl, but he carried the football 34 times. Yeah. For 160, you know, for, <laughs> and, and threw a touchdown pass with 15, 13, 15 seconds left on the clock to win the game. So not only did he play in the game, he carried the ball 34 times against the Virginia Tech defense. That was pretty good and, and dominated the football game. So, you know, I, I, I get a little protective. I get a little personal about the situation because, again, I, I think that, that some scouts tend to overthink the situation, especially, you know, we're a couple of days away from the draft. But, again, you know, I know it sounds simple, but just turn on the tape. And, and that's all you have to do about Lynn Bowden is, is turn the tape game film on and watch what he did and watch how unselfish he was to play quarterback. Then, more so, play in the bowl game and carry the football 34 times. I think and that speaks to Lynn, just like it spoke to Josh Allen, uh, in 2018, in, in the Citrus Bowl, not only did he play, but he had a very physical week of practice, prepared hard, and played well. So uh, I think that speaks volumes for Lynn Bowden, uh, the athlete and team leader. I talk with Freddie Maggard on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, you follow uh, recruiting closely. Kentucky went for a long stretch without having uh, any NFL draft picks, and now uh, they're getting them with uh, regularity. Won't be as many uh, this year as last year, but uh, it, they, they're going to have at least two, maybe maybe three if Wagner gets picked late. Uh, they'll have more next year. It's going to be a regular thing now. Um, how does this? How much does this help in recruiting? Well, it does help because it, it establishes a, a path to the National Football League, and now. High school players that are of the caliber that Kentucky is recruiting these days. That, that's what they want to see. That's what they want to do is play in the NFL. Just much like basketball with Coach Cal, you, you know, you want to go to the NBA. Same thing with these football players. They want to, they want to go to the, to the NFL. Uh, you know, talking about next year. Uh, wow. Uh, you know, I, again, I wrote about it on KSR. I think Kentucky has a couple of duos, Tom, that are as good as they are at the Southeastern Conference and maybe the country. I think Landon Young, Derek Kennard, tackle combination is the best in the SEC and arguably the best in the country. And uh, I think, you know, Darren Kennard has the potential, uh, if he continues to grow and develop like he has been, to be the best right tackle that Kentucky's ever had. And then I think Landon Young gets drafted, Darren Kennard gets drafted, Drake Jackson. Uh, Luke Fortner has a chance, and that's just off the offensive line. So the other duo I wrote about was the inside linebacker combination. Chris Oates and DeAndre Square have to have the chance to be the best best combination in in the SEC as far as inside linebackers. So uh, Mark Stoops has developed a program, not a team. One way to gauge that, Tom, is to see multiple players within the same position group that are all SEC or all American caliber, 
And I just mentioned two off the top of my head at tackle and inside linebacker. And, and that is, that comes through Mark Stoops and his staff to recruiting, selecting, and developing a player at an extremely high level at a level we've never seen before at Kentucky. Maybe and I can say the level we've never seen at Kentucky. Talk with uh, Freddie Maggard on Twitter. It's at Fred Maggard 606. So uh, how's the, uh, the quarantine, uh, the lockdown going for you? Well, Tom, I'm not smarter than a fourth grader, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> math is, is, is pretty tough. It, it, uh, you know, it, it's, it, there's challenges, just like everybody else. And, and, you know, first and foremost, I wish everybody health and having safety out there. And, and uh, during a very trying, try, trying time in our history, and, uh, you know, it just... Uh, it's hard, just like everybody else. You're locked down, you're locked in, and and you just got to make the most of it and stay safe. Do you do any of the but cooking? Still work. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on the grill. That counts. That counts absolutely, absolutely. And I make what a mean bowl of cereal does that? <laughs> that that could be more of a stretch, but the, okay. the grill the grill definitely counts. Okay, yeah. Uh, what but, about you know, we, the, we talked about? I'm sorry, we talked about Stenberg. You know, Tom, one thing to look at, you look at the NFL's top three to five rushing teams, physical football teams, you know, the Ravens, Bills, uh, Titans, et cetera. Then you look at the, the teams that need guards from the, that list of top rushing teams. I think that's where you find where Logan Stenberg goes. Well, then Bowling is all over the place. Everybody, you know, is talking about the Patriots because of his versatility. I think that will be a fit. And, and I think Glenn is going to be a, 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 a Debo Samuel type player that, that the 49ers have. We saw him in the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of places that Lincoln fit well. He could be a, a crazy good fit, I think, in Baltimore. Imagine, I mean, they're already thinking yeah. outside the box with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. They could get really creative with the two of them. Well, you know, I, you know, I said, I, I, we did a KSR football podcast and that, that was one of my projections for Lynn would be Baltimore. Uh, so that's 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 a good that's a good good point there about Lynn going to Baltimore. Yeah, I like that. Uh, let's uh, talk about the returning players. The one you mentioned uh, several of the names as far as the the talent. But what is this a time under these unique circumstances? Coach Stoops was on with us last week and talked about the the Zoom meetings they're doing with position groups and. With- team and uh, as I said you know is this a time where you know leaders are going to emerge I would think that it would be because this is a unique set of circumstances and you find some guy that uh, you know and, and you'll see more about this probably when you get them back together uh, who those guys were but this is a time for somebody to really separate himself as a leader yeah absolutely when you do that you got to break it down a little bit further going to groupings so let's go into groupings and offensive skill players. Terry Wilson's team. Terry Wilson is a leader. He's got those guys locked in, and he'll do everything he can with them. With offensive line, Drake Jackson uh, is the leader of that group, and 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 just a fantastic leader of that group. So he'll have them locked in, and he'll have them ready to go. Then you look at the front seven defensively. Uh, I think that you have leaders there. Uh, with, with, with Josh Pascal, uh, you know, you get, you get, uh, uh, the nose tackles, Quinn Bohanna, I, I think, you know, he's experienced. So you got some experience there. Uh, uh, like, uh Hoskins comes back. That, that's more experience. And the linebackers, 
you know, I talked about Square and Oates. You get those guys, and they're led by Boogie Watson. And then your secondary, you got Yusuf Corker back there, and Devontae Robinson comes back. So you got a solid leader in every position group on the team, and I think that factors well for Kentucky. But there's a lot of experience, a lot of starters, a lot of starts coming back for Kentucky. I think that helps with a with a season. Uh, that could be, uh, we don't know what it's going to look like. So you're going to need strong leaders within position groups. So I think Kentucky has leaders within those groupings that can sustain a, a challenged preparation period that Kentucky will have going into a season whenever that happens. Freddie Maggard, you can read him at KentuckySportsRadio.com and uh, here on the podcast. And uh, also, uh, we always encourage you to check out uh, the organization for which Freddie works, which is Shepherd's House, and uh, they do some wonderful work. So good luck with that. Thank you for your time, and uh, stay safe, you and the family. Okay, you too, Tom. See you, buddy. That's Freddie Maggard, and he joins us here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of our show. Tuesday edition of the Leach Report, wrapping things up. Uh, tomorrow, we'll have uh, Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws uh, trying to line up uh, Cole Kubelik to join us as well. We'll see if we can pull that off. Major League Baseball uh, considering now a, a different plan to bring games back. Everybody's just brainstorming right now, but the latest one I saw would have them playing games in Arizona, in Florida, and in Texas as well, and splitting teams up into to groups. Uh, they like the fact that there's some domed stadiums in Arizona and uh, in Florida that they could take advantage of in the uh, hot weather. Probably makes a little more sense than sending everybody to Arizona uh, when it's so, so hot. So we'll see if they can pull it off. Everybody will be so... Uh, grateful to uh, just get some form of sports back in our lives to move us toward a little better sense of normalcy. PGA Tours targeting a, an early return in June. I think it's June the uh, 8th that weekend. So uh, I think that could uh, seem, seems logical that one could happen for golf. So hopefully more will be coming. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a 